Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. All right, welcome back to another week of Uncensored. We have Chris Glime today, which is a treat. He's rarely on. We try to get him on here. Erica Johnson, Dan Hood, and Did Braden you just Ware. forget my name? I, uh, I had Dana. a stroke. Um, it's a rough Monday morning. But, yeah, so it's uh, – I finished up turkey season this past weekend, and I have some stories to tell about that. But uh, we'll save it. We'll talk about it in a little while, unless you think I should go into it now. Well, for people that don't realize, Go Out's office is right on the border of Kentucky and Indiana. Yeah. Half of our team is in Kentucky. Half of our team is in Indiana. And so we have slightly different hunting seasons, and you guys got one extra weekend to turkey hunt in Indiana. Is Indiana over now? Yeah. Yeah, it was over yesterday. Yesterday it ended. Did you get out this past weekend? I did. Oh. Mm. Tell us. Well... I was going to make it seem like I got something, but I didn't. (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert. So I, let's see. Last week, um, there's a lot of turkeys out in the yard. And I think I told you guys last week that that just wasn't working out for me. Um, But then someone told me I could hunt on their property. And I said, cool, I'm going to try this out. Nice. buy a pond and like a field of corn and um anyways so I check out in the morning Wednesday and Thursday maybe I did this like super early when the sun came up out there found a tree sat down um deer playing around and stuff uh turkey a hen came in and I was like great but I wasn't hearing any gobbles at how first close, light how close was it the hen was like 150 yards. Oh, like in a field? Yeah. Okay. So it was in a field. Um, I didn't hear any gobbles, though, um, at, at the beginning. So I was trying to do some calls, thinking like maybe, I don't know, if they hear at the hen, which was me, that maybe they would come over and actually see the hen. Anyways, um, that hen stayed around for a little bit. Deer stayed around for a little bit. Nothing happened. No dice. Went home. Did you not hear any gobbles at all? Oh, I okay. Yeah, so I did start to hear some goggle, goggles, goggles, some gobbles, um, quite a bit a ways away. So I took a path and like went down this hill towards where I thought it was. Set up. Did some calls. By this time, it was getting late, and I was like, I should probably get to work. Um, and I didn't hear anything anymore. Mm. So I don't know if it saw me or it spooked it. It yep. was getting like. 8.30 or so about that time, which still wasn't bad, but I just kind of like, okay, well, we're done here. So, end of that day. The next day, um, I went out a little bit earlier because I was afraid that maybe I, it was starting to get daylight the first mm-hmm. the first day. 
got set up, there was a raccoon. Me and the raccoon came face to face, and I was like, Ugh, "Are you gonna attack me?" Um, <laughs> and it, it didn't. It like turned around and ran. Um, and then sat down. These two little uh, doe—I guess they were does—they um, were like frolicking in the field for like a very long time. Deer are so dumb. Hey, like the turkey, you could like you move 150 yards away, like you move your pinky, and they're like, "Ah, oh my god, I see you!" The deer, like they—they they saw me standing up at one point because. Yeah. I was kind of coming in like at first light, like, and they were out there, and they were just like, "Huh?" <laughs> and then I like got next to the tree, and they were like, mm, "I don't know where it went." Gone. Anyways, um, yeah, if the wind was blowing another way, you're you're fine with deer. Yeah, like, turkeys are eyesight first, right? Deer smell first. So. It seems like sometimes even if the deer see you, like. When I was out, my phone has this like hideous oh, yeah. yellow case, <laughs> and I like got up and was taking pictures of the deer. They looked at me, and I just took some pictures, and then they just kept doing their thing. It's yeah. like they didn't even care. Didn't feel threatened. They're yeah. Just like, Whatever. Like, yeah, it's not deer season. I'm not worried about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They know. <laughs> um. But then, so sit down for a little bit, and pretty soon a hen comes in, like a larger hen, and then um a. But it was still about 150 yards away where the last one was the previous day. Then another one comes in, and I was like, oh, this is a tom. And I was trying to, like, slowly get out the binoculars and be like, please be something. Please be a tom. It wasn't. It was a hen. Um, They – I sat there for about an hour with those two hens there. Never heard anything. Called. Could not get a gobble at all. So I don't know if maybe – they saw me coming in. I talked to the person that let me hunt there, and they were like, from where you were, like, he knows exactly where they're coming from. Mm. Like, he's just been on this piece of property, like, all the time. And he was like, no, like, the way it was kind of set out, there's, like, hills and, like, brush. And, like, where they are coming from, they wouldn't have been able to to see me. So he says. So he was like, I yeah. just don't think that, that from where I, I know that they've been coming from that – they would have saw you then, especially like the time that you came in. So anyways, I was like, well, maybe if I call the hens closer to me, I'll finally call this Tom in. Mm -hmm. Because if the Tom comes in at 150 yards away, like there's just no reason for them to like come over here. So maybe if I just go ahead and get him closer, this Tom is going to come in and things. Anyways, I was excited that I called the hens to me within like 15 yards no way. The, nice. the hens were there, both of them. What'd, One, you, what'd you do? I don't know. I'll tell you <laughs> what. I'm, I would be embarrassed to show you how I do this mouth call because I just. Yeah. Like, I'm just. It ain't right. Okay? I mean, yeah. I mean, some people will tell you, like, the worst turkey, like, calls they've ever heard are from, like, a hen. Like, yeah. In the woods, like, they. I don't know. Like, some of them sound like what you think they're going to sound like. Some of them don't. It's weird. Like, I don't know. In that situation, trying to bring a hen over, it, she probably just thought you were, like, comfortable feeding, hanging out. And they were Maybe. Just kinda, kinda, or they were, like, you know, boss hens or something like that, and they heard you calling. And if you happen to be, like, calling over them mm-hmm. at all, they might have gotten pissed and want to come over there and, like, set you straight. They might have yeah. thought it was, like, three different hens. Yeah, it could have also. Erica has a unique ability to make her sound, make herself sound like four hands. Okay, I am <laughs> two things. Accident. It's also probably why the turkeys weren't gobbling because they were like, "This, this crazy is <laughs> we ain't no way." Um, but also, 
Uh, I realized that for a couple of days, I had the call upside down. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's it, fine. I've never tried that. Does it sound different? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. The, the way that it was supposed to be, it sounded, this call specifically sounded a little bit more raspier. Yeah. Okay, this one was like, I'm real young. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really young over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a baby. <laughs> um, anyways, they came over. It went in the woods behind me, the other ones. Um, I just finally kind of gave up because I never heard anything and, and went back home. Um, but then later that day, um, I cut through that property on, on the golf cart uh, to do something, and I busted a tom. Oh man, Bummer. so do you have any like a owl or owl call or a, a crow call by chance? Mm-mm. So next year that would definitely be something that like it's it's hard. I mean, in a situation where Tom is like hot, you know, and like you're pretty good at calling and stuff, like you can get him to gobble to that for sure. Um, but an owl call or a crow call, like you pretty much, it's just a shot gobble or whatever. So mm-hmm. like you, you can locate them. So like in a situation oh. where you were in where you're like, okay, there's hens there. Are there toms behind them or uh-huh. toms coming that way? Like, you could just throw out a hoot or a crow call and locate and, like, okay, the tom is behind them, but he's over this direction behind him. Uh, so I'm going to adjust how I'm going to set up and I might move or whatever based on that. Or, like, maybe you don't hear anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's been huge for, for me and Phil. Like, you can, you know, make turkey sounds all you want and stuff, but, like, you never know, like maybe you're calling too quiet and mm-hmm. there's like a ridge in the way or something like that. That owl call or the crow call, it's just so loud that a lot of times you can you can get a gobble from like, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of yards away. Is there like oh, a physical wow. call that you use or you just learn to do it with your mouth? Or Phil like... Phil does it just with his mouth. Um, he does the crow and the, the owl. Um, but there are calls for both. Okay. Um, so uh, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know how much it matters like that you sound very close to a crow or an owl like mm-hmm. i mean i was messing with phil this weekend i was like hey do a do a crow call and he does one and i was like no a crow call not like you're a woman getting stabbed in the middle of the woods like, <laughs> he's just like ah, ah. <laughs> uh, it works though i mean it's more of just like a loud shocking noise that sounds like close enough to something yeah. they're used to and a lot of times you'll you'll locate an owl and you can sit there and go back and forth with the owl and that'll help too because they're somewhere else and it's like if they hear you and they call well now they're gonna get it gobbles even farther mm. away and if you're in the right place you can hear it um and, and make plays on them but that would definitely be something that yeah that's i would a say good idea. throw out next year it's such a weird evolutionary flaw mm-hmm. because there's always that pause where you know you'll, you'll hit a call and you'll wait and you'll be like oh there's nothing and then all of a sudden you'll hear you know a gobble off in the distance so it's almost like they're thinking about it like ah uh, should I give really away my location <laughs> <laughs> so they're like I'm right here it's just like oh man every time I shouldn't do that <laughs> it's the one thing that lets all the predators know where I'm at yeah. and I keep on doing it yeah I wonder is does anybody know why they do it <sighs> the gobble the shot gobble. Oh. I would imagine it's like other birds where they're trying to alert other birds to, to something in the area. Huh. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But it's like specifically to a crow and an owl. Like those are like known to be the two that everybody mm. does. I just didn't know if there's something specific about that. But. I think that's just what's in nature. But like you said, they'll do it to anything. Yeah. Loud. Car door or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, that was a good season though. You had uh 
You had some good chances, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on we've been running all week long with baseball games and this and that and getting up early for whatever. So I was going to go out Saturday morning. Sunday morning, I couldn't, but Saturday morning. And, and Nora was like, can I go with you Friday night? She was like, can I go with you? And um, I did have access to this, like, blind building type thing. And I was like, oh, I think I will take it. Yeah, yeah, you can go. And I was like, are you going to get up early, though? Like, we got to get up. It'll be dark outside. And she was like, yes, I wanted to go. So I woke up, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so tired. We have been, like, running all week long. But this is my last chance. And Nora said she wanted to go, and I've mm-hmm. never hunted with my kid before. But this was going to be, like, the perfect time to do it. And so I, I go in her room, and I'm like, Hey, do you wanna do you wanna hunt with me? I'm going, and she's like, I'm so tired, and I was like, if I didn't ask you, you'd have been up already yeah. bothering me. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so she didn't, and then I was like, I'm tired too, and I didn't either. Like you're such a jerk. Um, so that was my own fault. But yeah, no, that's anywho, that was 20 minutes of me not doing anything. Well, no, that was good. But you went out. Yeah, I went out Thursday evening with Phil on. Um, that private property that we hunt, we're going to deer hunt a lot out there. He he had hunted it maybe three times before. I, I didn't go with him yet, so it was my first time turkey hunting that property. And um, we actually had, like, some turkeys on camera, and we were talking about going out Thursday evening. And I was like, dude, these guys are, like, asking to get shot. Like, I, we have got to go out there and at least give them a chance here. And so we went out and set up, and kind of the same thing. We had a hen come in at... I mean, 15 yards or so and kind of just hang out and just kind of cluck for a little bit. And, um, she ended up, she didn't walk right up to decoy, but she kind of hung out for a little bit and then she walked off and we heard several around us just walking, but zero gobbles the whole time. Um, so we don't really know like whether other hens or toms or what. Um, so we ended up, we left there. That was basically all we saw. Um, and then, Saturday morning, um, we woke up and went out to some public, which we had been hunting one area of public for the whole season and had good chances, but never really could call them in. And it's just a lot of ridges and a lot of brutal, like, areas that we hunt in. So we are like, let's go out to this one spot. We're going to walk this horse trail that follows this ridge and, like, call down through the finger ridges and stuff like that and locate and we'll strike some up and we'll kind of go from there. And Phil actually texted me Friday night, and he's like, pray for gobbles tomorrow, because I've literally never heard a gobble on this weekend in the past, like, several years I've been hunting. So last weekend of the season is, you know, a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess it's kind of like the rut is over mm-hmm. pretty much, you know. Uh, and I would guess. I don't really know that. but um, So we go out to the spot that we felt really good about, and uh, it was me, Phil, and my buddy Tucker. And um, he had already shot his bird i think he did like thursday morning and so he was just coming with us tucker or phil tucker had yeah um and so he was just kind of coming out just for fun he's obsessed with turkey hunting and he's just gonna like drop back call for us and so we go out there and we get to our spot perfect time good and early and you know start doing locating calls and everything nothing 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 we hike all the way back down this thing calling 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 not a single thing we're like gosh dang it so we get out of there, but the reason we liked this area was there's just all kinds of places that we can go. Like if we strike out, we just kind of can roll around and get into other stuff. And so we go check like two other spots, 
saw Tom in a field um, on some private that we had asked permission before, and they were like, no. Um, so couldn't go hunt that turkey. Um, and so we're just kind of driving along, and Phil's like, man, in the past I've heard a turkey gobbling down in this ravine like over the past few years. Like, let's go, let's go pull over and get out and see if we can locate him. And sure enough, he he calls and we get a, a gobble. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, we look on the map and it is like a horrendous hike into this spot. And part of the reason we went to this spot was like uh, it was going to be, you know, a little less brutal walking and stuff. It was tough. But um, so it's the same place that I went with Phil when I tell the story of why I call him Philly Goat. Like the first time I went uh, or the second time I went deer hunting with him. I had like a, a giant climber stand, not in shape by any means. And we go out there and we're like hiking up and down the stuff. And I'm like literally having to sit down, like take a knee just to like get my breath to make it back to the truck. Um, I did much better this time, a <laughs> little, little better shape, um, not carrying a climber. But anyway, so we got back there. And so we get down to this ridge and we're kind of like looking at the map and like, okay, there's a field over here. He's probably like either in the field or around the field. It was private. It was fenced off, barbed wire. Um, but we're like, okay, roughly going to be in this area. So we start kind of like getting quiet, walking the ridge. And he gobbles two times, and we're just walking, like no calling, no nothing. We're like, oh, my gosh, this dude is fired up. So we go, and we get like set up real quick. And um, Phil immediately starts calling a little bit because he, like while we were setting up, he's still just gobble, gobble, gobble. I mean, it was my heart. It's like the hardest my heart has been racing this whole season. I mean, he was like very clearly fired up. And so Phil starts calling and he's gobbling over top of Phil calling and Phil just keeps kind of going and he just, and he did, this was the first double gobble I've ever heard, but it was like, I mean, he like literally it was, it's called double gobble, I guess. Um, and just lets you know that they're fired up and, uh, he's getting closer and closer and closer and tucker is set up behind me and phil where we are and he's calling behind us um because we didn't have a decoy out and so we Mm. wanted like we had to have the tom kind of come in like closer to us and be looking for a decoy or a turkey like farther back so that he would actually make like commit to coming in so i actually i never saw this turkey where i was set up but phil watched this thing come down the field full strut come down, come down, come down. And where he was sitting, he wanted to make sure like he was on public before he shot. Well, he literally hit what he watched it crawl under the barbed wire fence, come through and it like steps into the woods at 30 yards. And like, I'm just like watching Phil's mannerisms. I'm like, he can see a Turkey right now. Like I know that he's, he's on it. He's like kind of like tracking it, you know? And, uh, wait, did he have his bow? No. Oh, okay. And, um, so he's like following it down the field and he stops and he's kind of like locked on and I hear it kind of like walking around. Tucker said he actually heard it drumming, which I just probably wasn't paying enough attention. Um, and I see Phil pull the trigger and he goes, tink. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> oh no. And then he's, I see him quickly reach up, clear it, eject that shell, slam another one in. Oh, so he had and a he loaded. Takes a desperation shot and I'm like, okay, he's like I heard him take the shot. I heard kind of the <gasps> like of the wings and I'm like, okay, maybe he got it. So like I'm sitting still and then I hear like kind of some running. And so then I pop up because I'm watch I wanted to watch like basically this, the nose of this ridge like I was if if there was another one with him, which we were pretty sure there was. 
uh, it would have taken off running like down in that ridge. And I was going to shoot him if he came like around the corner. Didn't happen. And I'm kind of like watching Phil and he's just like kind of looking around. Then he gets up and I like turn around and look at Tucker. I was like, did he get it? He's like, I don't know. It sounded like when it flew away, it didn't sound good. And I was like, yeah, I like hopefully he at least, you know, we got it and we can track it down and go over to Phil. And I was like, did you get it? And he must have responded, but I didn't hear him. Mm-hmm. And I said, did you get him? He goes, did you not hear me? <laughs> like, he was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I didn't. Did you get him? And he's like, no, I, I don't think so. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, he tells the story. And we don't know if just it was like a firing pin issue mm-hmm. or or what happened. Which it, Did it, he look at the back of the shell? So we found the shell. Like, we dug through all the leaves, and we found the shell. And... It like the fire or the um, primer. primer was completely clean. Like mm. there was literally no so was indication. Yeah. And so our theory is, um, what's it? His, it's a semi-automatic shotgun. And so there's that kind of that lever that sticks off where the the breech is or whatever. And we wonder if like a stick or something he said he like he pulled it back to look in to make sure that there was a load and he's mm-hmm. not he did it quietly he said i'm not sure that i got it completely back generally engaged but generally if that breach isn't shut all the way you can't pull the trigger so he pulled and it like we heard it go off so yeah he should see if he has the bolt slightly open most guns you can't pull the trigger and it won't drop the hammer if that bolt's not shut all the way yeah so we don't we don't know because then i mean he put another one in and it fired fine so it's like well i guess he's got a excuse to get a new shotgun yeah Yeah. (laughs) it'd be hard it'd be hard man if you it's kind of like a self-defense gun like if you ever have a jam you're like it's always in your head of like what if the one time i needed a jam yeah he he'd been talking all season about next year he wants to do like a single shot um 20 gauge or 410 Mm -hmm. or something with tss and um i don't know i i'm i'm sure he's more motivated to do that now after that happened but yeah so then we spent the rest of the day just like hiking like through a bunch of terrible thick stuff trying to chase down any gobble we could find we heard one more gobble very far away for the whole rest of the day mm. um and that kind of wrapped it up but Finally. just just not mm. meant to be man i had so i had my bead on one tom's forehead this season and uh we had a communication issue where phil knew it was a tom and i mm. didn't because of where he saw it but I, there was no way we would have been able to communicate like right. what we were mm-hmm. so i had my chance and then he had his chance and i mean that's all you can ask for really i mean yeah. like when it comes down to like the last few seconds right of like you have your bead on an animal ready to shoot like You've you've accomplished everything you need to accomplish. Um, it's just kind of we gotta we gotta get that last few seconds figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil's nothing he did wrong. It was just you know a gun issue. So well, I didn't even see a Tom this season. Yeah, yeah I mean, You've seen Toms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard them. Yeah, lots of gobbles. So, so the whole go wild office. No one's shot a bird this season yeah we all struck out yeah it was tough Makes jacob jacob got close too but no dice i don't think brad had very many close encounters i think brad only went out once right yeah, once or twice super busy yeah um so great season man i, I mean it was better than last year and it kind of seems like that's how our deer seasons have gone we just like get a little bit better each year and mm-hmm. i'm excited for next year but i'm also already 
like fired up for deer season, shooting the bow, getting ready to nice. to shoot one this fall. Yeah, um, Kentucky uh, did uh, the elk draw on Saturday. Oh, they did. I didn't see any names I knew. I was looking for you know Jacob and Derek and. Mm-hmm. Oh, do they enter or whatever? Yeah, so they do the draw and they like live broadcast it mm-hmm. so i watched the live stream well i watched the recorded version of the live stream and just was like keeping my ears peeled for any names i recognize and it's hard i want to say like the best odds are like cow archery and i think those odds are like one in 90 oh. uh and then for like firearm bull it's like one in 180 I think so. Can you imagine getting drawn for that, and then your chance goes in, and then you have the gun issue? Oh, like you finally hit. Well, and I was telling Amanda, my wife, that uh, that she was like, "Oh, well, that would have been exciting, whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been like if I'd gotten drawn, it probably would have been like six or seven thousand dollars." So she's like, "Oh Oh, my goodness, yeah, for a guide." Yeah, for are you, are you required to do a guide? No, but they're saying that there's just so much private land, you know, very little public land, mm-hmm. and that all of the herds kind of know that private <laughs> land's where it's at, and mm-hmm. the private land people mm-hmm. will make it very habitable for elk because mm-hmm. they want the guides to pay them to mm-hmm. use their land. Uh-huh. So they're just like, if you don't get a guide, your chances are slim to none so you don't get any type of additional access with the draw you just get the tag That's i'm not it. i'm not exactly sure how it works but there's zones mm-hmm. and i think you have to apply for like two or three zones like first pick second pick third pick mm-hmm. and then i don't think they let you know what zone you have until like three months before the hunt so then you're mm-hmm. kind of scrambling for a guide because there's only Jeez. so many guides and they're like, oh, man, I actually – I was thinking I was going to get zone three, but I actually got zone seven, so I need to man. go with a different guide, and it's hard to, like, scout. So it sounds like, you know – I mean, it's great that Kentucky has an elk program, but it sounds like it would be – if you got drawn now, it, that means that it's going to be, like, six months of stress, getting in shape, you know, <laughs> scouting. You ain't got to get ready if you stay ready, Dan. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, does Indiana yeah. does Indiana have elk? Uh uh-uh. uh, no. not that I know of. No, oh, I no. wish we did. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, is Phil going on the walleye trip with us? No, he uh, his wife is like weeks away from having a, their second baby. Yeah, but this is we're just talking about what in two weekends. So <laughs> yeah, he's got a week or two. Dan, Dan <laughs> doesn't understand. Serious. I was like, uh, <laughs> where are you guys going? Lake Erie? Nice. Yes. The, yeah. It's the western basin of um, Lake Erie, which is like, you look it up, like it's it's one of the best trophy walleye fishing places to fish in the country. And um, we're going with like the same charter or whatever that we did last year. But this year we have two boats and like an Airbnb and we're going up during Walleye Fest, nice. which is like their derby or mm-hmm. not their derby their thunder mm-hmm. like they have like a permanent walleye metal structure in the middle of their town square mm-hmm. that they all like party around for days and so we're gonna go do that that is the also- most like <laughs> crazy we party around this walleye statue well i don't know if it's like <laughs> worshiping where i went to school in north carolina in the mountains of north carolina banner i think it was uh banner elk or beach mountain had a woolly worm festival 
frames pulling me over. But it was literally like you know, you like, like the little get wo- out of the frame, the little <laughs> the little wor- woolly worms, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a woolly worm festival. The whole town, it was like a festival built around this, and you find woolly worms in the wild and then you could like race them like they're, they had like a big like <laughs> no. this, like, yeah that's awesome it was a big thing and it brought a lot of money to uh to the town so i'm sure this walleye festival is the same sort of thing yeah. where it's because you saw that those two guys just got jail time for the walleye yeah, yeah. it was like 10 days though yeah. uh, what do y'all think about that because i saw a lot of people saying it wasn't enough they i think they got fined they got 10 days in jail and maybe like surely they lost they had, their license. They lost the license for a couple of years. The fine the, had to go to like a charity or like a. Their boat got uh, repoed. Nonprofit. They um, were like pro walleye anglers. Yeah, so that from boat was not I, cheap. Well, pro quote unquote. They'd been. It seems like they'd been cheating for a while for a yeah. couple of years. Yeah, I'm not saying they were good, but they were professional. Like they had all the gear and sponsors, yes. and so like their profession just got wiped out. Yeah, they got rid. They lost their boat, and surely they were not making any more money. Well, from they the were sponsor. professional cheaters, from what I understand. Just professional cheaters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it sounds like to me like. Everyone kind of knew it with these guys. Like they oh. were stuffing these fish with so much weight. You'd look at a fish and you're like, oh, that fish that they got weighs twice as much as the fish I got. And they're both the same length and thickness. So it just kind of seemed like, I mean, it kind of stinks to be that way. But, you just, you know, you just can't take people at their word anymore. There's something... I'm going to make a good pun. You ready? Yes. Something looks fishy. It might ah, be fishy. Strong work. Mm. Um, no, I was listening to the, the Mediator podcast when Jack Carr came on. And Jack Carr was talking about he got, like, some really cool, like, um, I can't remember what it was. Like, some crazy collectible that was just, like, unde- oh, it was, like, uh, it was a typewriter from, uh, what's the, there's, like, a few famous writers. Capote. <laughs> Huh? Truman Capote? No. He's a... Dang it. Okay, screw it. Jack Kerouac? Mm-hmm. No. Um, he's a famous, like, poet and, like, old school... Hemingway? Uh, I think it was Hemingway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he has this typewriter from him, and he's telling Ranella this. And Ranella goes, oh, that's cool, man. Um, I have the knife they use to cut open the walleye to expose the cheaters. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, so not to brag, but... <laughs> I was like, that's funny. But it's it's become a like gigantic story, like way outside I'm, of just like I'm people so, that hunt and fish. I'm so ignorant of it. Like, what oh, is the crime actually? Is it that you cheated for, at a contest, for a tournament, or not yeah. forgery? It's like um, if if I like Tom Brady deflated the balls or whatever, they're mm-hmm. not putting him in prison. What's mm-hmm. the difference between? Uh, the, good question. The, yeah, why isn't Tom Brady in jail? <laughs> exactly. Uh, the I the I think it's akin to I want to say it's forgery. Okay. Or, I think or Tom Brady's fraud. a little different, right? So I think the story with Tom Brady was that it was done without his knowledge. Yeah, or there was at least implausible denial. But it's like if I rig my bat in the MLB, I'm not going to prison for it. I might get a yeah. penalty. But, but Pete not... Rose didn't go to jail. That's true. Like I don't yeah, I think I think if you're intentionally defrauding people for money okay. in any way, I mean it's the same thing as saying like, "Oh, my kid has cancer, donate to me," mm-hmm. and then your kid doesn't have cancer. Okay. It's like, "Oh, you're lying about you're going through effort to have people give you money." Okay, and, so it's a fraud thing. And, and I think for that tournament, I think the prize money was like thirty, forty thousand yeah, dollars. So yeah. it's it's a healthy amount of money and. 
It's got to be violating fish and it wildlife says, laws. It um, says they they were guilty of cheating. They pleaded guilty in March to cheating and unlawful ownership of wild animals. That's mm. interesting. So that's a separate issue then. Yeah. I don't um, know how they would have. But yeah, it's. But the thing for them, the reason why I think it's such a big deal, it's because that community is so dependent on those tournaments and yeah. that revenue that like, if people are like, oh, it's. Because it's, it's, it's cheat anyway. Yeah. yeah. Then the tournament goes away. The wildlife festival goes away and those yeah. communities really get hurt. So they're, they wanted to go after them big time. Yeah. I'm still surprised the jail time's involved. Surely that came from like the wildlife regulation violations not the tournament i think it came from the tournament i think really? it was if you defraud people out of tens of thousands of dollars yeah. then yeah. You're going i'm to sure jail. there's some contract you sign that's exactly yeah it well it's a little different than tom brady too because like if it's just like a normal like it's not like every game is its own like tournament that you like sign rules for yeah. and like sign up for and like there's regulation it's like I don't know. And he's operating like within a team. Yeah. Whereas like these guys are just like their own thing with like in a tournament competing directly that day, cheating people out of money. Yeah. Like Tom Brady's a bad comparison, but to me, I would think that it's like you'd lose your license. You're never allowed to be in a fishing tournament yeah. anymore, but I'm surprised they get jail time. I think yeah. The difference with Tom Brady sense. is Tom he's Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady isn't taking money. If he wins, he's not taking money from the other team. Okay. But Pete yeah. Rose was. But well, that that's gambling. gambling. But I'm but I'm saying like if you've got a bunch of people entering this competition, and one person wins, then they're getting everyone else's money. Mm. Where with Super Bowl, you're getting paid. I mean, he might get a bonus for going to the Super Bowl, but that comes from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And Pete Rose always bet on himself to win. Did I mean, he really? Uh, I thought it was Pete Rose fan. Who was the yeah. guy who was like betting against his team? I think it was a manager. There's been several. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't really know. There's a big guy, and he was just like betting against his team every which way yeah. it said they got 10 days in jail one and a half years of probation in addition they were both ordered to pay a $2,500 fine which was which nice. can be reduced in half if they make a $1,250 donation to a charitable organization focused on fishing and children um that's like they also have their fishing licenses suspended for three years, three years. which is light. the maximum suspension they forfeited the ranger boat motor trailer and other gear used in the walleye tournament which was valued at one hundred thirty thousand. that's where they got hurt right there they lost all their sponsors and all their ability to compete for three mm-hmm. years like now they got it i mean maybe they had another job right like and i wouldn't be surprised if they're getting sued by some of those sponsors saying hey mm-hmm. yeah because all, all the pictures given, they're standing there yeah, holding their like, fish with their big jersey on hey, with all these logos yeah, like yeah, i wouldn't be surprised but pending what they're if they had day jobs that were not this, like Did they? nobody in the community is going to want to hire oh, them. Oh, they're going to have like, to move. They, they can't. Move. Yeah, they'll have, they have to, to move. get a house in like Honduras or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, or they'll just start being, you know, doing bass fishing or ice oh, fishing gosh. or you know, get a new name, wear a mustache. Well, they still don't have a fishing license. Just for that state, though. Not oh, in three federal. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's no federal. It's not like a no-fly list. Like, yeah. you could just go to another state and get a license. Yeah. Yeah, that is the thing that's interesting. There was the, the Bomar, I think it was. Is that mm-hmm. the, the Bomar mm-hmm. case where, like, they did all this, like, allegedly did all this crazy stuff. I'm not sure where all the case landed. Um, I think there was some stuff that happened where 
the guides were doing things that they claimed they didn't know they were doing. Um, there's so there's some negligence, I think last I read, but it's been a while since I caught up on it, but like they, and all of that big hubbub, they basically only lost the ability to hunt in like a few States. Like it was like, they can still go hunt Indiana, presumably or something like that. They didn't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to like overreach and things like that, but it, it feels like in those situations, like, okay, they did something bad in that state. Now we don't want them coming to our state to, to mm-hmm. continue that behavior. But yeah. I don't know all that stuff. I wish, I wish I kept up with it a little bit more, but I'm kind of out of the loop unless it's something major like that. You going to take some weights to the walleye tournament? <laughs> yeah, it's not a tournament. We're just doing it for oh. fun. We're just eating oh. them. So. so no prison time. If you do bring the weights, then you'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, I mean, there's other ways we could get prison time, I'm sure. But <laughs> Hooking up with seagulls. Yeah, that's that's one way. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, that's, that happened shouldn't last, go there. <laughs> last trip. Oh. Old Dan had a little oopsie, but it's okay. I didn't have an oopsie. The seagull had an oopsie. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be fun, man. I'm really excited. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago that we went. I guess we're going earlier in the season this year. So, Yeah, we went at, like, the end of the season last year. Yeah. So we're going, I think, not at the beginning of the season, but. In the, it's the hot time. It's yeah, the, the hot It's the rut time. for walleye. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> Is this good. where you do the eight? No, that's a muskie where you do, like, oh. the eight on the surface yeah. to, like, predator fish. No, these guys are, they're, like. Last time we were going, they were, like, on the bottom. And mm-hmm. so, like, you throw this harness out. Uh, it was just, like, an earthworm and, like, green bead, green bead, red bead, green bead, and then, like, a hook and a worm and weights. Obviously. Yeah, it's not the most technical no. of fishing. It seems like it's more about knowing the body of water, knowing the, you know, water temperatures, water columns, where the fish will be. That's where the real skill. I will so say you that. need a guide. If you're not or from you, that area. Yeah, if you're not from the area, you need a hot tip. And honestly, where we were going, the kind of the hot tip seemed just to be like wherever everyone else is, is yeah. where the fish are. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they would just uh, all be kind of... And there was some gamemanship as far as like telling people where you were going. Oh, yeah. People would be driving by and, you know, other other charters and saying you know radioing our guy i mean like you seeing anything i'd be like nope not seeing anything you know so some of them work for the same charter and they'll be honest with each other but from what i understand if you don't work for the same charter and someone asks it's usually like expected that you're just gonna be like nope never right. seen one in my life <laughs> yeah um but what there, is a walleye <laughs> yeah oh. uh there is a little bit of technique i was the only one that caught i caught two trophy walleyes okay you all, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. You all, How'd were, you I did do it, it, Braden. I did it to the letter of what the guide said. He, like, there's a specific like technique where like you throw it out and you let it sink to the very, very bottom, and then you pop it a couple times and let it sink back to the very, very bottom. Like you let the whole slack come out of your line. Mm-hmm. And I was watching these guys. And they weren't doing that. Mm-hmm. So there's some technique. I'm telling you. And I, I want everybody to catch more fish. That's why I'm saying it. If I, He's if calling I you out. If I didn't, I wouldn't say anything. I want us all to catch a bunch of fish. All right. We'll try the Braden method. <laughs> no, it's not my method. It's the guide. The dude that does it for a living's method. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Some about me having slack in my line just always makes me nervous because <coughs> I feel like I'm going to miss a hook set. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't. It didn't feel right, but I was like... He, I feel like one he said, of, do exactly what I say, and yeah. you will catch big fish. And I was like, I'm going to do exactly what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Wait, so why was there so much slack in line? Because when you pop, pop, it makes all that slack, and then it needs to come back down. 
Well, when and it, you were reeling it in. Well, when I was it just lands keeping... on the bottom, it like it's a very noticeable feeling, like you, the slack in your line, like it's mm-hmm. deep. So mm-hmm. like it goes all the way down, like a oh. big football weight. And when it hits the bottom, it like it, you can feel the slack come out of your line. Because that I slack see. would let the worm kind of drift down, and that'd be like the opportunity to strike. And mm-hmm. if I'm trying to keep tension on the line mm-hmm. so I can feel a hook set. Even if I can tell it's on the bottom, you know, if the boat's slightly moving on the water and dragging, mm-hmm. that worm might never settle down. Yeah, and you pop, pop, so, like, it comes off the bottom and right. then flutters back down. And then each time it flutters back down, you let it hit the very bottom mm-hmm. because they're, they look like they're eating stuff off the bottom. Um, so that's where you want your stuff to be. Mm. And, dude, they're, they're like, predatory fish. So, like, they got teeth and everything. It's It's not like... You're gonna miss a hook set. I don't think. Like for the most part, they hammer it. Like I can't think of any time that any of us like got a bite up from a walleye. And it was probably like those little white perch or whatever. I don't know, dude. I feel like I feel like half the cast I made, I would keep tension on the line. I'd feel nothing, and then I'd pull up an empty hook. I mean, mm-hmm. we were re-hook. We were putting worms on the hook. There was, yeah. you know, fish just. But that's not walleye, though. I think those are the panfish. That's true, but every up. time you pull up the hook and it's empty, you're like, oh, there was something biting on yeah. this, and I didn't feel anything. I think it's like getting sharked. Like, you had, like you know how sharks hang out? You ever heard about that? Like, salt? No. So, like, when you're saltwater fishing, like, you can even, like, catch a fish down deep or whatever, yeah. and when you're reeling mm-hmm. it in, it goes through, like, this layer of sharks or whatever they mm-hmm. hang out, and you can get sharked where they'll just come up and they'll just grab whatever you got on the line or your bait, and they'll just, like, take the whole situation. It was kind of like that with those little white perch, <laughs> that little layer that they were, they were kind of in, like, a upper, more middle column, and so you'd reel your worm through there, and that's when they would come in and you'd yeah. catch them. I caught a goby. Like, <laughs> there was all kinds of little... It was fun, though. It was a fun trip. I'm excited. It was so pretty. Yeah, Are the hooks excited. really big? Mm-mm. No, they're just like, is the bite different from a bass? Is yeah. it like more aggressive Um, or just different? There was a technique to that, too. I can't remember. I feel like it was like grab, let it run, and then set it. Uh, but you Ooh. don't have to set very hard. No, it's more like they kind of do the work. Like they have teeth and they freaking hammer it. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's just like. It's not like a uh, bass where, like, they shake their head, you know? Like, mm-hmm. when they get in their mouth, they shake their head, and so you're reeling the whole time, and you can just, like... It's like a heaviness. It literally feels... Because you caught like, a catfish. I did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. I got, that, that thing was, I got the video You do. That yeah. thing was giant. Um, but that felt different, too, because it was shaking its head. Yeah. The walleye pretty much, like, grab, fight for a second, and then they feel, like, just, like, weight. Like, it's just heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, you just feel your line. Like, it just feels like there's something heavy on the end of the, your line. And the guide can literally watch, like, when you hook up with something, you'll be like, you know, got a fish. And he'll look over, and he'll be like, ah, that's not a walleye. Or that's mm-hmm. a walleye. Mm-hmm. Like, he can just tell, like, within seconds. Um, with the catfish, he was like, ah, oh, that's a catfish. <laughs> like, <Wow. laughs> immediately. And it's it crazy. was giant. Like, it was super, it was fun. Um but yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, we got that coming up, and then, I mean, that's I'm going to start golfing a little bit. <laughs> that's that's all I got. Co- I know it's weird, but Phil loves to golf, and it's that time. That's a um, talk about one less hobby you need, man. You're gonna get sucked into that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can go fish like, or, or yeah, I can go fish morning, go golf afterwards, or whatever when true. it gets too hot, and go. Brayden's trying to do all the expensive hobbies. Yeah, yeah. hunting, fishing. Yeah, Brayden's just looking for ways to set his money on fire. If yep. anyone knows anything, 
Yeah. Gasoline buy and a match. Boat. Yeah. Buy a boat. <laughs> buy a boat. <laughs> yeah. A camper. That's in our future. Yeah. Yeah. Camper. We're just, yeah. We're gonna have stuff to do and no money to do anything with, but that's okay. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening another week, guys. If you could leave us a five star review, we'd really appreciate it. Make sure you log the show um, on Go Wild and tag us. We got Chris Glime, Eric Johnson. What's your name again? Uh, Mike Trout. Mike Trout, Dan Hood, and Braden Ware. Thanks, guys. See ya.